the living God. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a special presence of the Lord is in our house this morning. We welcome you into this atmosphere of heaven. I was thinking, or the worship team was leading us into the presence of the Lord this morning. I was thinking, you know, you better learn the words to this song. Because you're going to be singing it before the throne. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to join with the multitudes of every generation. We're going to adore and praise, celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a glorious day that will be. What a glorious day this is. Amen. Hallelujah. Been a good week. Amen. Amen. The weather's been pleasant. It finally stopped raining. Amen. I always enjoy the, the, the change of weather temporarily. Amen. It's always a, just a, a refreshing uh, reminder that the Lord is the giver of the seasons. Amen. Sometimes it seems like we only have one season here in South Florida, but uh, every once in a while he reminds us. And uh, I know we have a lot going on. It's a very busy time of year. It's very, uh, very much about back and forth, to and fro. But I appreciate you taking time this morning to come to God's house and worship the Lord. I welcome those who are listening on our audio service line. We Miss you, we love you, and we hope to see you soon. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you to be on the prayer call this afternoon at 5.30. I want to remind you of Wednesdays at 12 o'clock. You can call in with your prayer request. Reverend Fulga will pray with you. Feel free to share that with anyone in need. You come across... Anyone in need, you can give them that number from 12 to 1. The man of God is manning the prayer line. And he will uh, lift up that need with you or for you. And I believe God will honor that. And then this month, Wednesday nights, we are not having Bible study, but the prayer force is in uh, charge of that hour. And uh, I listened a little bit in between work. <laughs> obligations last week, and uh, I, I tell you what, they're trying to kill me. Uh, you pray for your pastor. I, I spent most of Wednesday in Jupiter, and uh, just, just, there's just no way to explain. You just have to see it to believe it. It's just like the whole world loses its mind. But uh, we'll get through it. God is faithful. God is faithful. We'll get through it. But you pray for your pastor, and uh, and all those out there, they call us frontline workers. I don't know. I always thought the front line was something you had to go to war. You had to go to the front, right? <laughs> maybe we are in war. Maybe this is, maybe this is what war looks like uh, for us. Uh, but it's a challenge. I tell you, it's a real challenge. But I appreciate those who are, are, donut, are giving up their time on Wednesday nights for this ministry. 
And then, of course, next Sunday, we have a very special treat lined up for you. Your pastor won't be here. You always enjoy that, don't you? No, I uh, uh, my wife and I and our family will be traveling. Our baby girl is graduating from college. We're so, uh, so proud of her. So proud of what she's uh, accomplished. So grateful to God. So we're going to go up and be with her for the celebration. But I will not leave you comfortless. Uh, Dr. Diane Mann. And the Bridgepoint worship team will be here to conduct the services. Uh, don't I, I know you love her, but I always get nervous because you might end up loving her more than me. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But no, she's an anointed, gifted preacher, singer, musician, teacher. I can't think of anything she can't do. Uh, and she'll be here with her team, and they'll bless you tremendously. I encourage you not only to show up, but bring somebody. She's a gifted evangelist and uh, has a unique way of reaching hearts, reaching souls. So uh, you just uh, you pray for her, come for and come out and support it. And uh, they're a family. They're they're part of us. Doctor Mann preached her very first sermon in the pulpit of Lighthouse Church of God, or what at the time was the. Fort Lauderdale Southwest Church of God. And uh, so she's family to us. And we, uh, we look forward to that. And then we'll get back to uh, regularly scheduled services after that. Let me, open, let me ask you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. While you're doing that, let me just remind you, you can give here per, in person in the offering box at the back of the church. You can donate online. Through our website, lhcogfl.org, you can mail it. You can, uh, I think they even, uh, well, we're even set up now with the, the Zelle services. So if you know what that is, it was new to me. Uh, but I, I, the, the bank said, uh, you can Zell it. And I thought, what is Zelle? What is that? And I had to look at that for a minute, and it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's a thing now, I guess. The, you know, we try to keep up as best we can with all of the the, the technology and the modern uh, innovations, but I'm afraid I get left behind sometimes. I, I just I can't keep up with all the different ways that they have these days. But, you know, I thank God for it. I appreciate your faithfulness. I really do. I want you to know that. Your support of this ministry is very is very personally appreciated. It's, it's something that uh, I give God thanks for. Daily, uh, he has been so faithful through you to keep the lights on here at the lighthouse. Wouldn't be much of a lighthouse if we couldn't keep the lights on, would it? Amen. Hallelujah. So thank you so much for that, and uh, and uh, just pray that as 2020 comes to a close and 2021 beckons uh, and the Lord tarries, that uh, this will be a tremendous season of giving. As, uh, as the grace of God will just be poured out on all of God's people and all the churches and all the pastors and all the ministries that are struggling. It's been a difficult year. There's no question about that. And, uh, we're just praying for an outpouring of not only the Holy Spirit to touch hearts, but of resources to be committed to the kingdom of God. 
We have so little time left. I, 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 I know you've heard it your whole life. So have I. But I have just become so convinced that we are so close. There's such a short period of time to get the work done. Because uh, I, I think the Lord's coming. I really do. I think he's coming. And so we want to be, uh, we want to be full throttle and getting this gospel into the hearts and minds of as many as we possibly can. God bless you for your faithfulness. Amen. All right. Did I miss any announcements? Was there anything else? Any? Okay. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to start with verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, But they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. May the blessing of God accompany the reading of his word. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I give thanks today for the precious and holy word of God. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you are not a deaf or dumb God, a God that never speaks, a God that has no wisdom, no knowledge, nothing to impart. We thank you, Lord, for being a speaking God, for being a writing God, for being a God that has committed his wisdom and his will to his precious word. We thank you for the preservation of this word, its inspiration, its protection against all those who attempted to corrupt it, all those who would have destroyed it. We thank you, O God, for the opportunity today to have this word read before us and to read it before our own eyes. We pray that it would flow with an anointing for both the speaker and the hearer, God. Touch the one who speaks today. You know all of his limitations. Bless those who hear and receive it by faith today. Let it take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Church agrees. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you a little bit about the season that we're in. There are many things that are associated with the Christmas season. If you know, I don't know how many of you were raised in the more traditional churches, but uh, if you follow the official Christian calendar, today is the first Sunday of Advent, if you know what that means. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. You can still be a Christian and not know what the first Sunday of Advent means. It's okay. But this season uh, is a time where Christians around the world uh, set aside to 
commemorate, to celebrate, uh, and to consider and contemplate the incarnation of God as a human being. Just let that sink in for a moment. Look at that ninth verse for some perspective on that. As, as the Lord Jesus Christ left all of the splendor, all of the glory, all of the riches, all of the magnificence of His existence in eternity. I can't even begin to... Uh, I don't even know how to uh, even try to adequately describe. There are several uh, uh, prophetic visions in the Scriptures of the glory of the throne of God and of the magnificence of the heavenly temple, and, and, they, and they, they really do uh, uh, try to, uh, to, to communicate as best they can what, uh, what it really was truly like. But our minds are, and our experiences are so limited that it's really, I think, impossible. If we imagine wealth and we imagine splendor today, we probably think of some magnificent palace, uh, Versailles, or, or my wife and I went to the Biltmore House a few uh, months back, and, uh, and truly, uh, it, it's magnificent. I mean, I can't even imagine what it must have been like in its heyday as uh, as just the, the incredible wealth and the incredible splendor and the incredible magnificence of uh, of, of how those uh, uh, homes were were maintained and how they were presented uh, just just boggle our minds. We think of uh, royalty and all of its splendor, and we think of uh, even today the you know the the various sultans and the various kings and and the various. Uh, uh, heads of, of state and, and the splendor that surrounds them. I'm told that the, that the king of Saudi Arabia has bath facilities made out of solid gold. I, I don't even understand that. I, I, I don't even know what to do with that. What is, I don't even understand what that would accomplish, but that's, you know, that's how, it, that's how he rolls. And yet all of that, if we took all of it, if we piled it all together, all of the wealth of the, of the sultans and the sheiks and the, and the, and the, the, the Bezos and the, 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 the Trumps and, 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 and the Buffets and all of them, the, and we put it all in one big pile, it would be the absolute most insignificant and the most meager and the most meaningless pile of wealth in comparison. Amen. to the glory and splendor that accompanied the Son of God in all of His eternal existence. And yet He set all of that aside. We don't understand the descent, the, 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 the degradation to come out of all of that glory into this human form, into the incarnation. But here Paul says it was done as an example for us. We're going to look at that as the example. We're going to look at that as the template, as the model for the ministry of giving in our own life and in the life of the church. Now, I want to pause for just a moment here because there's probably no doctrine more abused and more, more distorted than the doctrine of giving in the modern church. I, I, am, I am personally 
always hesitant. I very rarely speak on this subject because it's very sensitive to me. And, and some of you know my story. Some of you know our family's story, but many of you do not. If so I beg your pardon if I may tell it one more time, just so you understand the perspective that I bring to this, to this doctrine, to this teaching. My father came to this church in 1975, and the first Sunday he walked in here, there were 17 persons in attendance uh, of this body. He had been told, he had been, he had been sold on the idea that this was a church of about 120 people. But when he came here, he saw that there were only uh, uh, just a very handful, just two or three families that were actually committed to the church. And so, and so he began to, obviously began the work of building. But of course, at that time, you know, he also had to work secularly. He did not have enough income from the church. I'm going to tell you this. Some of you, when I tell you my father is my hero, I want you to understand it's for things like this. There's just no way to explain the respect, the the honor that I give to him. He he built the church while trying to also lead his family, and he had to care for his family as well. And and but But through God's faithfulness and through his own, the church began to prosper and began to grow, and, and it wasn't too many years down the road where he was able to step away from secular work, he, and he had a, a growing and thriving ministry of, uh, in the hundreds. This church was on its way to becoming, really, uh, uh, one of the, 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 the in terms of the, the, the physical, in terms of the, the, the secular way we think of it, one of the more prosperous and one of the more uh, stable and one of the most secure and powerful churches in this district, in, in this area. But about this time, am I, I, you know, we, we were benefiting from it. My sister and I were in a very uh, nice little private school. You know, we were enjoying a first-class education. We had a very bright future uh, ahead of us. And but about this time, this doctrine of prosperity began to, to, to get its tentacles into the Pentecostal movement. This poisonous doctrine, this, this devilish and demonic doctrine, and a number of the well-to-do families in the church became enamored of this doctrine. And they began to pressure my father to, uh, to, to, to allow this doctrine to be presented and taught and, and preached and subscribed to in the church, and he resisted. And so, uh, and so their, their first tactic was to try to starve him into submission. They withheld their tithes. They withheld their offerings. They, they, you know, sometimes churches will do that to try to force a, a minister to go along with the program. But when he stood firm... They took their money, they took their families, and they took all those they had influence over, and they split the church and left the body. And once again, my father was forced to start very over with a very, very small group of people. My sister and I and our whole family was affected. We had to be taken out of private school, had to be homeschooled. I remember my father walking over to the neighbor who ran a lawn service to ask for a job. I don't even know if you can understand the humility of that. I don't even understand. Here he had been this, this, uh, everyone on the street, of course, who knows my dad, uh, no, this is not a surprise to anybody. This is not a shock, but, you know, he was so well loved and regarded by all of the neighbors and, and the neighbor was so resistant. Pastor, you can't work for me. 
you're the pastor, you're the preacher, and, and you're the reverend. There was such respect for him that there was such resistance. And, and my father just, and I'm not going to say he begged, I, that's not the right way, but my father was just very insistent that he had a family to take care of. And uh, my sister and I were taken out of private school. I, we were homeschooled so that I could go with my father and work to help take care of the family. And it could have been so easy for me to have become resentful and to become, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I could have taken the path, Dad, why didn't you just go along? We, we would have had such a comfortable life. You know, we could have done so, much, so many other things. You know, you know how selfish children are. We think, you know, we're not thinking about the, the big picture. The, we're, we're thinking about, well, you know, why do I have to give up my friends? And why do I have to give up my, you know, you know how kids are like that. But I thank God today that he took a stand on the word of God. And he sacrificed a, a very comfortable life and worked and, and continued to work throughout the rest of his life to support his family and his ministry. And, and, and I, I looked at that as such a prime example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was such an inspiration to me. And, and of course, I, I have become known in certain circles as the anti-prosperity preacher. I'm the one they say, he'll, he'll want you to all to be poor. He doesn't, and that's not at all true in any way. I want God to bless you. I want God to, I want God to pour out blessings on you without all abundance. But we're not going to compromise the gospel. We're not going to compromise the truth for comfort or convenience. And I learned that lesson from, uh, from this person who, who, who still to this day is my hero. So when I come to you to speak on the ministry of giving, I want you to understand I'm coming out of a place. I'm coming from a certain perspective. That, that there's so much that can be distorted and there's so many abuses that God's people must be prepared scripturally and doctrinally and understand how this doctrine and how this ministry is supposed to fit in our lives. I want, to be, I, I want us to get the idea in us that our God is a giving God. Amen. Paul begins in, very, in the very first verse, very first verse, it all flows. Everything that comes after this, I want you to understand, everything that he writes after this flows from one concept, the grace of God, what God has already given. It would be impossible to have any ministry of giving if God himself was not a giving God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give thanks. Our God is a giving God. He is a supplying God. He is in a source of an abundant supply. And whatever glory accompanies the ministry of giving, it begins and ends with the grace of Almighty God and what He has provided for His people. If God was not a giving God, we would have nothing with which to give. If God was not a giving God, there would be no resource. But thank God He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. His faithfulness is renewed morning by morning. Every time that sun comes up, we are reminded of a God who is going to supply all our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Somebody give Him praise. The ministry of giving flows from the very grace of God that he has poured out upon his people. As his grace abounds, as his goodness abounds, as his love abounds, so also will this ministry abound. 
If we believe in a stingy God, we'll be stingy people. If we believe in a mean God, we'll be mean people. If we believe in a God that only gives when he gets, we'll be a type of people that only give when there's some promise of get. Come on. That's the model that is used primarily today. It'd be very easy for me to stand in this pulpit and tell you, for every dollar you put in the plate, God will put 10 or 50 or 100 back in your pocket. You've heard those sermons. Mark the ones who preach them. Because they are false teachers and false prophets. There is a way to obligate God. You cannot obligate God. What God does, God does from a heart of love and a heart of generosity and a heart of faithfulness. He does nothing out of obligation. God owes you nothing, but He gives you everything. Oh, praise the living God. He gives not out of grudging obligation. He gives not out of some uh, uh, commitment where he's got to honor this or honor that. He gives because his heart is wide open and because his love knows no boundaries and because his goodness flows like a river. We don't need to obligate God. He'll supply all you need for the asking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything flows. If we understand that simple principle, then everything that comes out of it will start to click into place. Everything. When we begin to see God as the ultimate giver, the ultimate generosity, the ultimate liberality, we will have no compunction and we'll have no concern. We know God will take care of His people. And then He goes on to say in verse 2, that giving, the ministry of giving does not flow from external circumstances, but from the internal condition of the soul. We do not give because we look around us. Uh, or, or let me say it a different way. Those who give based on the, what circumstances are happening outside of them, they give when, when they believe that they're blessed, and they withhold when they believe that something's been withheld from them. They judge all things by the external circumstance. If the economy appears to be going all right and there seems to be some stability with the job and, and, they, and they feel like there's good, then they, can, they feel like they can afford to be a little generous. But the moment things begin to turn south and turn sour, the moment the stock market takes a little dip, the moment the boss man comes around and says, I've got to cut a few hours, the first thought in their mind is, well, there goes the check to the church. Come on. That's not giving the way God gives. And that's not giving based on the grace of God. That's giving that's measured only by the external circumstances. But here Paul says, out of the abundance of their joy, in other words, it made them feel good to be able to do something for the people of God and for the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were more concerned about maintaining their joy. We talked about this last week. We talked about this last week. Do not sacrifice your internal peace, your internal joy, your internal state of mind for any external blessing, no matter how much you may perceive it. Amen. If to, I tell you what, and I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to lay this out for you as command. This is not command. I just say it as example. I say it as example. But, if, but the, even if I begin to think about withholding from God, I feel a big disturbance. I feel a disturbance in my heart, in my soul. I can't rest. I can't sleep. 
I can't function. I can't go about. Listen, church, nothing's more important to me than the joy and the peace of the Holy Ghost in my heart. Amen. Amen. We do not give because we have so much. We give because God has done something in our hearts. He's produced a fountain of joy. He's produced a fountain of peace. He's produced a fountain, a resource within us that just compels us to share. Paul says these were not rich people he was talking about. These saints of Macedonia, they did not have much. They were in a deep, he says, and I like the way he phrases it, that in a great trial of affliction, do you think there's any better way to describe 2020? Has there ever, anything other than a great trial of affliction? Amen? Everywhere we looked. Amen? Every time we turned around, got to the point where we were afraid to even look at the news because we didn't know what, you know, the next thing somebody said, the only thing that hasn't happened yet was an asteroid hitting us. And I thought, man, be quiet. You, you don't want to put, the, you know, we don't, we don't need that kind of, we don't need that kind of situation right now. Hallelujah. But their afflictions didn't matter. They didn't focus on their afflictions. They focused on their abundance. My God, I may not have much money, but I've got an abundance of joy and an abundance of peace and an abundance of love in my heart. And because I do, it does not matter what's happening around me. Well, Pastor, you know, you've got to, you've got to really consider. You've got to look. Listen, let me tell you something. I know who my God is. And I know what he is capable of doing. He has kept this preacher for 30 years. He'll keep me for 30 more. I don't worry about those things. It's been difficult. I'm not going to pretend it hasn't. Of course the income is down. Of course people have been affected. Of course the church is struggling. This is nothing. This is not some surprise or new thing. This is, this is not something that's, you know, any different than our, the, the same things that are affecting our brothers and sisters all around the world or affect us. We're all in the same boat. You want to talk about a trial of affliction? Talk to Dr. Mann next week. Amen. She's lost her building. She's going from place to place. Hallelujah. You remember what that was like, do you not? It wasn't all along that long ago. We were there, were we not? Did God see us through? Will he see us through again? Hallelujah. Somebody give praise to God. I tell you what, there's some benefits to have been through some battles. I tell you what, a young priest, if I was... Still 21 years old when I was 18, I don't even know how old was when I started. 18, 19 years old. If I was still that young man, I might be worried. But I tell you what, this gray hair is, is, is worth more than just making me look good in pictures. Amen. Hallelujah. It's taught me that I can trust God in the most difficult times of my life uh, when everything else seems to be against me. God's got something for me. There'll be an abundance, even if it's just an internal abundance, it'll be there. Hallelujah. Bless His name. Then He goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, that giving does not simply flow from the, the, the ability that we have to give, but from the concern and the compassion that we have for those who are in need. See, if all we think about is our self, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not, I would never encourage anybody to take rent money, mortgage money, grocery money. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you, 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 you have a responsibility to your home, to your family. 
to, to God has put things in, in your hands for you to take care of those primary responsibilities. It's not what we're talking about. I'm not, now listen, there was a, the stories in the New Testament, people going and selling everything they had. I, and if God puts it in your heart, he's got a plan for it. I don't know. But that's between you and God. That will never come from the pulpit. That will never come from me. But if all we think about is ourselves, we'll always be tempted to hedge the bet a little bit. Amen. Let me just keep back a little bit, keep back a little bit. You don't know. But when our thought begins to go to the great need, what is the greatest need in the world today is for people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it not? Is that not the greatest need the world has today? And when we been when we begin, we, we we become affected by the, the the greatness, I tell you, sometimes it overwhelms me. I, I I walked around this neighborhood a little bit yesterday, and my spirit was just so weighed down. You know, it was just I looked street after street after street. I thought, my God, all of these souls, all of these souls, and, and listen, on the outside, Christmas lights and 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 Christmas trees and. It was all beautiful. I mean, I enjoyed that part of it. You know, all the decorations. It was nice. Right? But the thought just hit me over and over and over again. How many of these people with all these decorations know the one that this is all about? Yeah? They put up the, 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 the manger scenes. They, they, they put up the, the snowmen. They put up the reindeer, Rudolph, with his bright red nose. You know, and I think, and I'm not against any of that. I like a little fun in my holidays. What's the good of having a holiday if you're going to be all cranky and sad about it all the time? We ought to enjoy a little bit. I, you know, Frosty the Snowman, right? That, I, I'm all for it. It's all good. It really is. We ought to have a little fun, have a little joy in our season. But my God, I just, I was overwhelmed. I, I don't even, I can't even begin to think about the rest of the world. My, my burden is for this community. Broward County is my parish, if you want to look at it that way. And I was just overwhelmed. I'd hate to be a district overseer or state or, oh, I wouldn't call them overseas, but you know what I'm talking about. To have the responsibility for a whole state or a whole nation. I pray for our administrative bishop. He's got the responsibility for the whole world. I don't know how that man gets out of bed. I got one little county and one little state and one little part of the world, and it overwhelms me with the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach these people. But when we understand that need, if we our giving is compelled by the need rather than our own ability or our own situation, we're, we're, we're doing what when God saw the need of this world, what did He do? What are we celebrating? He took upon himself the form of a servant. Right? When God saw the darkness and the, and the despair and the hopelessness of this world, under the grips of Satan, under the grips of sin, what did he do? He divested himself of his divine privilege. He laid aside the glorious garments. He was not motivated by his own circumstance. But the greatness of the need compelled the greatness of the gift. So ought it be with us. So ought it to be with us. When we, if you were to truly sit down and look around you, walk down your street this afternoon, drive around your neighborhood, 
Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that glimpse behind those walls, behind those doors of the souls that are in danger of eternal torment, of an eternity without Christ. If that does not compel your desire, if that does not motivate you in this ministry as much as it motivates you in any other ministry, then ask God to touch your heart. Because this need is beyond the ability. And I don't mean to lay it all at your feet or my feet. None of us can do this alone. None of us can do this alone. It takes all of us giving together. It takes all of us putting your two pennies and your two pennies and your two pennies until there is a, until there is a sufficiency to take this gospel to this community. We must be motivated by the, sincere, or the, 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 the seriousness of the need, he says in verses 3 and 4. How can we get there? He tells us in verse 5, we cannot do this by ourselves. The first gift you have to give, before you can consider any other form of giving, the first act of giving is to give yourself and all that you possess to the Lord. That's what he says in verse 5. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. When you begin to, you know, one of the, one of the problems, I know some people, I, I, I get in the occasional, I don't even want to call it argument because it's such a silly conversation, but I get in the occasional back and forth with somebody, whether tithing is New Testament or Old Testament. I, I, I don't even, I, I'm not even going to go down that road. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in, how, in these matters. But I thought, you know, there is one negative I see. In preaching tithing, we sometimes create the impression that 10% is God's. And the reality is, 100% is God's. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe some of these anti-tithers might have us on that point. And we need to have a different mindset to all that I have, the clothes on my back, the phone in my pocket, the car I drive, the house I live in, every dime that's in my bank account, every dime that's in retirement, everything I have, I give to you, O oh God. Use it for your kingdom and for your glory. With that mindset. If we can develop that mindset, it becomes so... Let me tell you what. One thing I've learned over the years, it's a lot easier to give somebody else's money than it is mine. Amen. It's a lot easier to give somebody... You know, uh, you know every once in a while, we'll, we'll go out to dinner, and I used to be one of those hung-up uh, uh, male... You know, those men that always insisted, anytime I go out to dinner with somebody, I'm going to get the check. I'm going to prove... You know, that I'm the, I'm the big man at the table. Hey, guys are stupid. Just, just, you married us, so that's your fault. Yeah. If you didn't know how dumb we were, that, that's on you. But that, that, that's a male way of thinking. We're going to fight over the check. I don't know when, when I, God did something for me or something happened. At some point, I ran to realize, wait a minute. Somebody wants to buy me lunch? Oh, I'm in on this. This is good. I'm all in on this one. 
You buy me lunch. How about dinner too? Amen. Hallelujah. It's it's a lot easier when to spend somebody else's dollar than it is mine. Amen. Now you say, well, Pastor, you can't be that way. I can't be that way. I never asked, but if they offer, Amen. I don't ask, but if you offer, don't they don't offer insincerely because that's always yes with me. Hallelujah. Some people offer just to be polite. They 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 learn not to do that twice with me. Hallelujah. I'm all in. You want to give it? Praise God for it. But one thing, when you consider that everything you have is the Lord, it's a lot easier to give His stuff than it is your own. It really is. Because, you know, if it's the Lord and you give it, He'll just replace it. He's inexhaustible that way. Me, I have limitations. My stuff wears out. I give a dollar, I don't always have a guarantee of another dollar coming in. For me, I could get sick tomorrow. Praise God, he's kept me healthy all these years. But you don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. People have car accidents every day. People catch this virus every day by the thousands. There's a million things that can go wrong. If I sat down and thought about, well, I've got to protect myself, nothing would ever get out of my hands. But when I think about the Lord... What he's done for me. What he's going to do for me. I have no problem saying, God, you want this much of your money to go here. It's gone. It's yours. Because he's just going to, he's just going to keep that flow going. Hallelujah. I'm taking too long. I'm sorry. Let me get, let me get to the heart of this. When we give ourselves to the Lord first, it becomes very easy. It becomes very easy because we know we're doing the will of God. We know we're doing the will of God. We know that because it's his, it's his to do with as he pleases. Is it not? Isn't that what Peter told Ananias and Sapphira? While it was in your hands, could you not have done whatever you wanted with it? Amen. That's the, you know, that's the, that's the rule of, of owning a property, of, owning, of having a resource. It's yours to do with as you please. Amen. So the ministry of giving, then flows from the grace of God, the ministry of giving flows from the eternal condition of the soul, the ministry of giving flows from the greatness of the need, the ministry of giving flows from surrendering all things to the Lord first. Now what does this tell us about the ministry of giving? It tells us first, verse 7, that the ministry of giving is no less a ministry than any other in the church. It is not second place to anything. We tend to look down on some people and say, well, all they do is give. Praise God. Praise God for those who give. It is no less significant to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ than preaching, than worship ministry, than teaching ministry. Or then even here, Paul says, even, he mentions here some of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. This ministry of giving has its rightful place. It's, now listen, it's not to be elevated above. Because one is a giver, does not give one special status. Does not mean that you get to decide where the money goes. I, you'd be embarrassed if I told you how many times I've turned down sizable donations. 
size of you might fire me as pastor if you knew how much money I've turned down over the years. Because the one who give it wanted it to go specifically for what they wanted. And my response is, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. What's given to the Lord is the Lord's to disperse. You're free to give it, but you're not free to tell us how to use it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, I take it into account. I always respect. I always show respect. person's been a long-time member of the church, and they've got a particular burden for something. I'm always willing to talk. But you know, this idea that this somehow we... We, because we're the giver, we have some kind of special status. We're somehow elevated. We're somehow in control. That's no, no. It's not above, but neither is it below. You're not less part of the ministry. You're not a lesser part of what God is doing. You're not a lesser part of the kingdom because your main operation is giving. You're critical. You're an essential member of the body. The body could not function like it functions without you fulfilling your role. So praise God for givers. Just like we praise God for teachers. Just like we praise God for preachers. The singers and everything else. It's vital. It's important. And it has its rightful place in the ministry. But he cautions us in verse 8 that the ministry of giving is not compulsory. It's got to be done out of a cheerful and voluntary heart. We are not tax collectors. I just, got a, I just got a tax bill. You can tell why I went there. Amen. I just tell you, I, I'm open and transparent. As a, as, a, as, a, as a church property, we are exempt from property taxes. Praise God. Praise God. Some of those that are coming into power have argued in the past that we shouldn't be. So we'll see how the next four years work out. But whatever they decide to do, God will handle it, right? However, the city and the county have always looking for ways that they can get around that tax exemption. Always. So last year, so the earlier this year, they passed a stormwater assessment fee. That's based on the physical size of your property, not on usage. On usage, we use less water here than you use in your house. We do, especially this year, because we finally fixed the running toilets. Hallelujah. Praise God. If it was on usage, it'd be very minimal. But no, they they figured that part out. So now they base it on the size, the physical amount of property you have. And so they sent us a bill a couple of weeks ago for $2,500. I don't have $2,500. Church doesn't have $2,500 right now. Am I worried about it? Am I concerned about it? Not at all. Caesar will get his. Amen. God will provide. I don't even say that to provoke anything out of you. Just to make an illustration that some giving is compulsory. Right? If we don't pay it, they'll come and slap liens on the property and red tag us and lock it up. It's compulsory. That's not how the ministry of giving works. It's done out of a voluntary heart. You've got to have a burden. You've got to have a desire. You've got to have, God has to do something in your heart to provoke in you the desire to want to support the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's voluntary. He says, it's not by command. But it is evidence of your love. 
It is evidence of love. And then finally, in verse 9, all ministry of giving, like all other New Testament ministry, is modeled after Jesus Christ. We are to live as he lived, die as he died, rise again as he rose again. We are to model him in every aspect of our ministry, and we are to do so in them. In this one as well. As he gave. As he gave. So also are those who follow his example to give. They are not to abound in their riches. While those whom they love, whom they are in covenant with, abound in poverty. Let me say that clearly. God doesn't have a problem with rich people. Sometimes you read the Bible, you think God hates all the rich people. Not really. Their riches are a sign of God's blessing. Amen? He's the one that gave them the ability, unless they did it illegally or underhandedly. Their wealth comes from the abundance of God's grace, just like everything else. These guys, yeah, these, these people, they, they don't appreciate it. They don't acknowledge it. And that's why so many of them lose it. But it's, it's there. God doesn't have a problem with rich people. But he makes some people rich, or let me, maybe it's a different way. It's going to be hard to explain. He allows some people to have more so that they have an opportunity to do more for those who have less. See, it's always the opportunity. God presents the opportunity. I've given you this much. This one doesn't have that. And they're suffering. Will you take what I have given? And use it to relieve the burden of your brothers and sisters. When God saw the need of this world, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. We don't even understand this very well, but let me see if I can explain it here in closing. The need was one thing. But in all of the universe, in all of creation, in all of existence... There was only one person who had the resource to meet that need. No kings, no prophets, no preachers, no pastors. No one could meet that need. The burden fell on God alone. As he was the only one who had the ability to meet the need, as he was the only one who had the resource to meet the need, he was the only one who could. It was entirely an act of grace that he did. He didn't have to. But because he saw, Isaiah explains this so wonderfully in Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord looked for an intercessor. He looked over all the world for someone who could stand up for his people, who could deliver his people from their situation. But because he found no one, therefore his own arm brought salvation for him. Because no one else could do it. He did it himself. And so he puts us in the situation today. Whether it's in this church or another ministry or in your home or in your family, or a stranger on the street, there's someone out there, and you're the one who has the ability to meet their need. You're the one who can answer their prayer. 
They've cried to God for deliverance. They've cried to God for resource. And he has put the resource in our hands. People out there desperate, on these streets around us, desperate for the gospel of Christ, crying out, is there hope? Is there any way out of this mess I'm in? And God has put the resource in our hands. Out of our abundance, out of our riches, are we going to allow the poverty of others to continue on? Not if we follow the example of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together this morning. The ministry of giving, this season of giving, this time of Advent, this time where we remember the gift that God gave himself. I'm not just speaking about it in monetary terms. You say, Pastor, I don't have very much money. I can't do a lot there. That's fine. That's fine. You can give yourself. You can give yourself. There's plenty of places around here. I know my wife and I think Sister Gilly, Monday, we're over at the Hope Pregnancy Center helping them out. Just your time. You can give time. You can give, you can, you know, you might, you might not have anything else to give, but you know, maybe you can, you can give up a, a weekend of sitting around the house and, and go do something for somebody. There's all many different ways. But in the end, once we become aware of this ministry, once we become aware of the needs that are out there, let's ask God for the grace to follow his example. Mighty God, Father God, thank you for your gift. Thank you for seeing my need. You are the only one who could save me. No one else could help me. I looked unto the hills, but there was no answer there. I looked all around me. There was no one to speak for me. There was no one to die for me. But you took pity on me, Lord. And out of the abundance of your loving grace, you did what none other can do. You gave me life. You gave me hope. You put the abundance of heaven into my heart. You met my need at the point of my need. Great are you, God. Greatly to be praised is your name. I thank you, Lord, for being a giving God. What God is generous like our God. What God gives the way our God gives. I thank you, Father, for being a giving, loving Father. Always concerning yourself with the needs of your children always putting into their hands the resources that not only do they need to care for themselves, but an abundance of those resources so they can help others who do not know you, God. I pray, Lord, that this church, this body of believers, would be a giving church. You see the generosity of the heart. I am so grateful, so blessed, God. You have given me such a generous I can't even begin to describe the abundance of blessing. I pray we would not lose that, that grace, lose that spirit of generosity. And I pray others would become, I pray it would become contagious among us, God. For you love cheerful givers. Give us a heart of joy 
Let it not be by compulsion. Let it be not by command. Let it not be by obligation. Let it be out of desire that others may hear and believe this gospel. I ask a blessing on the givers today. I ask a blessing on the ministry of giving at Lighthouse Church of God. And I pray that in this season of giving, we would set the standard and the example for those that come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come, let us celebrate the gift. The gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. No one can outgive God. You've heard that said many times. And this is the supreme example. His gift trumps all others. There is no gift to compare. Every gift pales in comparison to the gift of Jesus Christ. And as we, if you have not already done so, I haven't bought a single thing for Christmas yet. I'm way behind, too busy. The tree is going to look a little blank this year if we don't get on the ball here. But as you consider these gifts, and I know you love your family and you want to get them nice things, I appreciate that. I appreciate the gifts I receive every year. It's such a blessing. But let us not forget that in the midst of all this gift giving, there is one gift above all others that we must wish for everyone to share. If they have not, if you have not given them Jesus, all the nice gifts will not matter one day. My closet is full of gifts that are turning slowly into rust and dust. There's just too much. I can't get it all. But there's one gift that will last forever and ever. The gift of Jesus Christ. And that we celebrate this morning. By taking of the body and taking of the blood of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Father God, we bless this bread today. The symbol of the incarnated Word of God. You looked down from heaven. You saw that there was no man. You wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, you sent your only begotten Son into human flesh. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thank you for the incarnation. Thank you for the advent of the Son. We bless this bread today in Jesus' name. Take and eat and be made whole. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the living God today. Oh, that God would leave the splendor of heaven to come to this world, this dirty, dingy world, this corrupt, contaminated world, this slum of slums, this ghetto of ghettos, that he would come here as one of us 
not simply to live among us, but to give his blood. Father, we bless this cup today, the symbol of the holy blood of the Lamb of God, the blood that cleanses, the blood that wipes away every sin, every stain. Thank you for the blood, Lord God. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for laying down your life in our stead this morning, God. We celebrate your death because we know that it is our forgiveness and our salvation. Oh God, we pray today that as we take of this blood today, we would be filled with the gift of new life, new hope, new purpose. That purpose to share it with all the world. We bless this cup today in Jesus' name. Take, drink. Let the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb of God. He who laid aside the splendor of heaven to walk among the dust of this world, the giver of givers, he is our Lord and our Savior, and his incarnation is our salvation. And this first Sunday of Advent, we give him praise. We give him thanks. We give him glory. We give him honor. Let, his, let the same spirit of generosity that was in his heart be in ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.